on FM, on DAB, and up to date on social media. We are Radio Newark. Radio ABC there and the look of love and as I said before it came comes from way back in 1982 you're listening to the girls around town here on Radio New this Sunday morning this mm, I was going to say bright and sunny Sunday morning but it's not it's kind of average out there I think but at least it's not too cold round about now it's approximately 10 degrees outside apparently so we are joined in the studio this morning by our guests for this week Mel Downing from Wolfpack Leadership good morning good morning Mel thank you very much for coming in you're and welcome especially thank you for bringing chocolate oh well <laughs> had to be done didn't it <laughs> it's not sunday morning if we haven't got a bit of chocolate is it or it's not sunday it's not yeah. the weekend you, know, you have to celebrate the weekend with something tasty and chocolates pretty high up the list so we've had a little nibble we've had mm-hmm. a cup of coffee and we're ready to start chatting now so mel um let's start just by te- start by telling us a little bit about yourself your background your qualifications what you've done i know that you've you said when we were talking outside um over coffee and chocolate mm-hmm. earlier that you've got probably about 27 different hats that you wear so <laughs> a few, tell yeah, us yeah. about one or two or well okay. a few of them um right well i have done quite a lot of different things i was just saying to sue earlier that i'm um class myself as a failed computer programmer because that was my very first job when i left school and i realized that actually i'm not a thing person i'm more of a people person but it, it taught me a lot of interesting things um and it was a good foundation in business and, and working life and then after that i moved on to uh, my passion then was uh, about working in the theater so i went to um theater school to study to be a stage manager which is kind of in my blood because my parents are both very interested in that my dad's still the leading light of bird operatic society um and i did that for quite a while and toured around the country and had a ball i have to say had a brilliant life but it is a very nomadic life and if you want any roots um, and you want to establish any relationships or um, just, you know, put anything down to make home, then it's not something you can do mm-hmm. long term. Mm-hmm. So I made a choice, um, having an interest at that point in homeopathy, that I wanted to retrain as a homeopath. And that's how I became friends with Fiona. So that's part of my work. I've been involved in homeopathy for over 20 years. And that's very much a foundation of how I live and what I do. Um, and that was ticking along happily. And then nine years ago, I got a dog which I've always wanted my own dog. We had dogs when I was a kid and grown up with a dog. and uh, But I always wanted my own. But because I worked too much, it didn't seem fair because you have to give them time and I didn't have that really to do. But then I was working much more at home and decided this was the right time. So I went to a local rescue and uh, got this lovely girl who's now 10, nearly 11, who I'm her third home. I couldn't believe she'd had three homes. She seemed so chilled out in the rescue. She was very calm, and it was like bedlam in there, really. Um, she didn't bark. In fact, she didn't bark the first two days, which I thought was rather odd. Um, but then after a while, her personality, shall we say, came through, and it was quite obvious why I was her third owner, because she's quite a madam, likes her own way, but is actually quite scared of everything. So what, what, what is she? She's a Doberman cross with a German Shepherd. Right. Which isn't as scary as it sounds. No, oh, no, no, no. Um, my my <laughs> sister had Doberman, and they don't scare me at all. They're quite smart dogs, though, mm-hmm. um, and quite willful, but with uh, a streak in them that makes them quite edgy, quite nervous, mm. quite reactive. Mm, so, yes. um, I, you know, I say, and, and, and I'm not joking, I think if she was a human, she would definitely be in the, on the Asperger spectrum. She has a very, very high reactivity level to everything. Things that other dogs just kind of don't even notice, she, she picks up. So, um, 
I'd got this lovely girl who I was completely besotted with and uh, her behaviour was very difficult to manage because she was very nervous and very reactive and very jumpy and very whizzy. So I, um, I went to dog training classes like you do because you have to go and learn how to be a good dog owner, don't you? And that was a lot of fun and we learnt a lot of tricks. But in essence, it didn't really change her behaviour and it didn't give me any understanding of why she was like Jekyll and Hyde. So 18 months of not getting it right, we were both incredibly stressed. Um, I would feel sick at the thought of walking her because she was just very difficult to manage outside. But I couldn't give her up because I was completely in love with this dog. So I had to go and learn something different. So I went and learned how to, um, something called natural canine communication, just to help her. And that was a, a real road to Damascus kind of experience because I thought, wow, I can see now I've been doing it wrong for the last 18 big, months. Big light bulb moment. Huge. <laughs> and very much relief all around. Lots of tears and oh, my goodness. Um, so that made a big shift for both of us. And you haven't told her told us her name. Her name's Scooby. Scooby. Yeah. Um, and uh, being a girl called Scooby and being in rescue from quite young, I think she was living with young children and just became kind of too unmanageable. Uh, she's very even when she was at her most whizzy and most unpredictable she was incredibly calm around young children so as my friend brought her kids around and i was like oh my goodness is she going to be all right i don't want to lead to make sure she didn't jump at them too much but actually as soon as the kids were in the house she just calmed right down so i thought oh i think you've lived with little ones so very sweet <laughs> So we will talk a bit more about um, canine conversation um, later on in, in the second hour when you're chatting to Tina. And also we're going to be talking about the um, wolf leadership. We're going to have a bit more music. Um, we're heading up towards the news. We've still got about 10 minutes or so before um, the end of this first hour. And then, of course, we go into our second hour when, um, as I said, Tina will be taking over and she'll be chatting to Mel. Mel. Good morning again. Good morning. We have been chatting a little bit with you um, in the first hour of the show about how you came from computer science to theatre to homeopathy to dogs. Yeah, it did have a link. Everything did at the point seem like a seamless transition, but it does sound very odd when you put it like that. I, I do get it. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. We, yeah. we like our guests to be kind of eclectic and, um, and a bit of a polymath. <laughs> Polymath, oh yeah. yeah, that's a good word, I like that. Makes it more interesting. Yeah. Um, so, we've, we've, you, you told us a little bit about Scooby, your dog, and yeah. how she was a rescue dog and you got her and you had to kind of learn yeah. rather more about how dogs communicate than you were, going, than you were getting out of your dog training sessions. Indeed, because dog training is fun, um, but at the end of the day it's obedience tricks. Um, and it became quite clear that because she's a clever girl and she's very greedy that she would do a whole range of tricks and we could stand in the middle of a field with 40 dogs and their owners and she would perform beautifully and it was we could have joined the circus she was so good but it didn't translate to the rest of the world to her that was just but this is fun and I like it and I get sausages and bits of cheese and hey look what I can do I, I smart but it had no translation to her to the fact that she thought i could look after us in the big scary world out there yeah absolutely and, and i think there's a lot of dogs actually that are very good at that kind of thing they aren't are. they yeah they will perform for food or on command or whatever yeah. but they're performing at a point at a certain point That's and then right. you know you you get off into the out of the performance zone as it were Definitely. and then they just do their own thing yeah because to her it didn't make any sense you know just because i can give a paw and sit down and stand up and lie down on command doesn't mean that i think you can 
look after me in the big scary world so get out the way and let me do it mm. which is her personality as much as anything else she's a rescue dog because of her personality she hasn't been abused or anything bad happened to her she's just um, a smart cookie who's hardwired to take over but also quite scared so it's quite a challenging combination so it was finding really something that would get to the root of it because I was just floundering yeah sure so where where did you go how did you kind of well I find these co the course to go on the course to go on really I just uh, I had a bit of well once it, I'd had her 18 months and it was a very sunny summer morning and we'd gone into our, one of our walks and she got into a pea field actually which they just obviously sprayed and she came out my brown dog came out white and I thought oh my goodness this is not good stuff so bundled her in the car took her home we washed her down and got it all off and I thought oh, we've got away with that and next day all her face blistered up and her ears and her face and she was in a shocking state we nearly lost her um, and she got, basically got second degree caustic burns from a reaction with this fungicide on her skin um, so it was all very very scary and horrible and anyway we got through that which was fantastic but then her confidence which was always wobbly at best just plummeted and nothing I was doing worked anymore so I had to go back to the drawing board and so I went back on the internet and started to research what to do with these kinds of behavioural things and came up with this form of natural canine communication which when you start to look at it makes a lot more sense because it's quite similar to how we bring up our very young children but in dog language. So I went to study that and had the most wonderful experience and thought wow this is so amazing and I now understand why she does it and what she's thinking and what she needs from me and it gave me my confidence back, a whole skill set to apply to her um, and we've never looked back really and everything else has come out of that. How marvellous. Now mm. just before we, we move on to the, the stuff that has come out of that, you do work with uh, humans and their dogs I don't do, you yes troubled dog owners usually <laughs> who, who are in the same situation that I was in really I had no intention of adding anything into my other career my homeopathy is very I'm very happy being a homeopath and helping people like that but I realized that the canine communication work is actually has a kind of homeopathic philosophy running through it so it's about like treating like so you do it in the way nature wants to do it you do it with a minimum amount of effort you do it without force and you do it in a way that actually gets to the root of the problem so it all seemed very synonymous with what I was doing for my day job if you like so I, I started incorporating that into my work life fabulous so if somebody is listening and kind mm -hmm. of going oh actually yep. you know the you know I could really do with some help with my um, dog yep some communicating help communicating with my dog how do they how do they get in touch with you for that okay. what is it that you do what I do um, well the easiest way to find out and look more is my website which is just meldowning.com which has a whole menu of everything I do on there including the second one down says my dog's behavior so if you click on that you can read up about how I got into this and, and what it's all about but in a nutshell I go to people's homes, I work one-to-one -one with them and their families and I will tell them what their dog is saying to them by the behaviour that it's displaying and I will tell the owner what they're saying to their dog that they may not realise that they're saying and then teach them how to speak to them in a language the dog understands which is all pretty much body language and eye contact about how to show the dog that they are now capable of being a good decision maker for the group because our families and packs are the same thing. Fascinating isn't it? It is, it's wonderful. I, I, I'm kind of thinking, could you do this with people and their children? Oh yeah, well, you know, there are very strong similarities. When people say, what dog training videos and books should I you know, recommend? I don't really recommend any because it's quite conflicting advice. Mm. But I do recommend people go and watch things like Three Day Nanny. 
or because it's actually about very similar things we do with our youngsters which is boundaries consequences limitations rewards and showing them that they are safe within the pack the family and that somebody is actually going to provide a boundary that's safe reinforce it in a trusting way so you are having a relationship with something that a child would understand and the dog fits in very like much like that I'm, I'm thinking that um, maybe maybe I'll need you to get <laughs> come out and have a little chat with Maisie and Jock. With and Maisie, see a lovely what, Maisie girl. Yeah, see what they have to tell you. Mm. I know what Maisie will say. I can hear what Maisie's saying already. Yeah, she's going. Like, <laughs> I rule. I rule. I I'm have the queen. Them. I'm the queen. I have them right round my mm. little paw. She has. But she would be she much does. happier if you did it, because it's quite a stressful job being in charge. You, you know what it's like yourself, you know. You have to be responsible, you have to pay the bills, you have to get up every day. You never, ever go off duty. And that's where dogs are in our lives if they're in the wrong place in the pack, because they take their job very seriously. Mm, I'm sure she does. Bless I'm her. sure she does. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Bless her. So how did, how did this lead you into the wolf pack leadership okay well that stuff. was an interesting uh, transition as well like these things are um when i went along to learn the course um the lady who taught me is now my friend jill tuxworth who i now do the wolf pack leadership courses with and that was a lovely lucky meeting like you do you meet people and you, we became friends after i'd done the training um and i started doing um, some business networking to tell people this was my new aspect of my work get the word out to a few more people and uh, I met a lot of interesting people and a lot of these meetings were doing talks so I had, a th had an idea that there were great similarities between our human packs and wolf packs and how wolves generally treat each other a bit better than we tend to treat each other they're much nicer to each other than generally we are and what was happening with the dog work was people were saying thank you for helping me with Fido I now understand what he needs and how to show him that I'm a good decision maker for the group and the things you've taught me about being a good leader for him I'm now using in my job or with my kids or with my difficult mother-in-law or with my stroppy teenager and they were finding it was a very strong transferable skill because a big part of the dog communication work is teaching people how to be leaders if you don't inhabit the space that you really truly believe you are a leader your dog won't believe you because you can't con an animal mm. and they know instantly if you mean it or not so if you're wobbly, you haven't got enough confidence, you're not very calm, your dog just reads that as weakness and says, I'm not going to follow you, you're in a state. Why would I follow a weak leader? Let me, let me look after you. So a lot of my work is teaching people how to inhabit that space that's authentic, that really in your heart you really believe you are calm and confident and able to portray it. And then your dog reads that, if you like, that your body chemistry and your whole vibe and says yeah you look like the kind of person who i can rely on and that i'll trust so a lot of that is, is transferable to our world as well we have our guest this morning mel downing and mel and we are talking about wolf pack leadership so mel what actually is wolf pack leadership then and okay. who can benefit from it wolf pack leadership is a one day personal leadership and development course aimed at helping people be better leaders for themselves and their own lives whether it's their businesses or their families or just for themselves so we do we do the same course whether we're doing it for businesses or we do it for individuals we run individual courses three or four times a year from Retford we use a local business center there and the next dates we've got one is on the 7th of May and the next one no the 11th of May and the next one is the 7th of September um, and on the website you can look at the details there and then people book on 
and they can come along either just for themselves or if they're running their own businesses we, so we have a lot of business people who come along or people who um women who are trying to get back into work maybe or people who've been made redundant or people who actually it's not about work but it's about them having more confidence or feeling calmer in stressful situations so parents of young children can often benefit or parents of teenagers because we know how oh, they can yes. be quite challenging when they get to that lovely age. Um, I was a nightmare, my poor mother, so maybe she would have benefited from that course. <laughs> <laughs> and then we do courses for businesses, so we take them into businesses. Uh, we recently did uh, one for Lawnet in London. We're doing another one in Leeds later in the year. Um, we've done firms of solicitors, firms of engineers. Um, we'll do any kind of business because you're talking about people and working in groups. So it's different kinds of people that will benefit like that. So what kinds of things do you get up to? Because presumably you don't take a pack of wolves with you. No, sadly, it would be lovely to have a pack of wolves or even just one major wolf. But what we're, what we're working on is we're teaching people actually how a wolf pack works. Because, as I said before, wolf packs work nicer in groups than we work in our human groups. Um, human beings tend to be a little more if I've got the biggest stick then I'm in charge of you and we do have a choice of how we choose to do our leadership roles but often we will go by the default position of that and what we're trying to encourage is that the wolf does it in a much kinder way or much for the good of the pack and working together as a team but the interesting thing about leadership is it isn't about other people so you don't need to be leading another group you don't need to be running a business where you employ staff or even have a, a family that you look after leadership is actually about you so your own personal leadership how you portray yourself what your uh, what your values are and how you choose to live in the world they are the things that are important in a leader and then it's numbers after that whether you choose to run a business or have a family or do something in the community or run a country it then just becomes about numbers rather than um, other people the important thing is you oh I could I'm, I'm very tempted to make a, a political comment <laughs> But I shan't. You took the words right <laughs> out of my mouth there, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move swiftly on from there. Um, so, d give us a few ideas, a few tips, then on on um, what we can, what wolves do that we can learn from. Okay, well, the, the basic premise is that a wolf pack always works for the good of the pack. There are no egos involved just because um, the wolf that is the alpha wolf, which is they have an alpha pair, which is like mum and dad, if you like, of the pack. Just because they're in that top position doesn't mean they think they are better than any of the other wolves. Every wolf in the pack has a skill set. Some might be quick, some might be good hunters, some might be good at rearing young. So everybody in the pack has a value. And that's a really important thing in our world, not to think because your job is different that it's necessarily better or worse. We all have our individual skill sets. And in ourselves, we all have kind of different facets as well. So we have our own internal wolf pack. So we have kind of the character of us that's probably in charge of our um, decision making. But then we have other aspects. We might have a nurturing side. We might have an organised side. We might have the side that feels like it needs more support that actually sits very low ranking in the pack. So within our own selves, we have a pack structure. So this pack structure can, can go across the board, whether it's your own life, your family, your business, how you want to look at it. And what we're wanting to say is you can be a good leader by learning the skill set that a good wolf pack work, uses to work together. So it's about confidence, it's about calm, it's about focusing on what you want to do and holding that focus is a very important part of who you are. And it's about having the, um, the mindset that says that you are going to be a good leader for your aspect of what you do, wherever you fit into the structure of your life. Mm. 
I'm going. I'm going to ask you in just a minute to uh, to to give us uh, a couple of things that we can take away. We're talking this morning with Mel Downing about Wolfpack leadership, and we're um, we're going to share with you right now a couple of ways in which you can start putting it into practice yourself in your own pack at home, even if your own pack is you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So over, over to you, Mel. Okay. How, how can we start putting it into practice even before we've come on the well, your course? Well, one of the most important things I think to to be aware of is that you are only in charge of yourself and every pack member in a wolf pack is responsible for its own bit of the pack structure they all work together as a team and to look after each other but they do not worry about what the other pack members are doing they do not take things personally they do not worry what have i said what have i done they're working much more on instinct and i think if we could take a little bit of that and feel less responsible for other people's responses and reactions we would cut ourselves a lot of slack because we can't change the world, we can't make other people behave differently. We can only make ourselves respond differently to things. Now that becomes quite liberating when you realise the only thing you're actually responsible for is yourself and your responses and your choices. And you don't have to worry about what everybody else is doing because they can only be in charge of theirs too. And one of the ways to look at that through how the wolf pack works is a good metaphor is about they work on what we call benevolent leadership. And the benevolence bit is basically about being kind to each other, but not in a woolly kind of soft way, but actually being respectful and saying, I'll cut you some slack, but you have to live by rules that make our structure very strong. So as long as everybody is behaving in a way that works for the good of the pack, then you can be supportive and you can do the job you need to do. So if you look at our own personalities, often we're quite hard on ourselves about things that don't work really well. Oh yes, that self-critical yes, voice. That horrible one that sits there and nags at us and, and we would never speak to other people the way we speak to ourselves sometimes. So just being using that benevolence within you and saying I'm going to be a benevolent leader for my own pack and I'm not going to allow that rogue you know, in, interloper to come in and, and pull my pack apart. I'm going to keep it strong. I'm going to keep those values of being a good leader and say come on guys let's pull together and support each other and support those facets in a much more compassionate way there is that lovely story isn't there i'm sure you know it and i'm trying to remember the the whole thing but of the of the i think it's an old sort of an old american indian is talking to his little um, oh, yes, grandson yes. Yeah, and he's talking this. about the two wolves yes that's the one yeah we use that um, yeah. now you'll have to correct me if i get this i get this wrong but he's talking about the two wolves kind of um are they they're having a a, a sort of discussion and he's talking yeah. about the two wolves inside of ourselves that's right yeah and he's talking about there being the kind benevolent wolf and the, yeah. the sort of slightly critical nasty wolf yeah um and them, them having a little bit of a battle yes and um i think if i remember rightly the the little lad the grandson says which one wins granddad yes, that's right and granddad says the one you feed that's it and this is what we have consciousness has given us choice so we mm. always have a choice how we what we invest our time in what we put our energy in what we put our focus on and we can choose whether to feed the benevolent strong kind leadership within us the wolf part or we can choose to feed the one that is actually going to destroy us from the inside and ultimately we have some complete responsibility for that and I guess that's quite a scary thought for a lot of people because it's an awful lot easier to put the responsibility or the blame or whatever on somebody else. It is. It's it, it appears to be to the them. easy way out. However, you then have no choice. You cannot change anything. Your power is completely given away. Because if it's always somebody else's fault, you can never change that. 
if you say this is unfortunate but I have a choice how I deal with it immediately you get your power back and you can make changes absolutely oh this sounds very, very exciting it is very liberating very liberating indeed um, we are going to have another piece of music right now and then we are going to come back and find out from Mel how you can find out more and get um, involved on the courses um, and indeed how you can um, just get um, oh, I'm losing my teeth now how you how you can get yourself on a course to um, learn more about this Wolfpack leadership. Fleetwood Mac, their big love from 1987. While we were uh, listening to that, we were also talking about how children um, follow the lead of their, their parents and the um, figures in authority around them, as in that they do what they do they do what you do not necessarily what mm -hmm. you tell them to do yeah um can you just ex expand a little bit on um on that mel in terms yeah. of our leadership self-leadership okay well if you look at the wolf pack as being like a family unit or a unit within ourselves that we self-govern then um those aspects of ourselves that we um maybe do habitually but we say to children and people around us this isn't a good thing to do but we're doing it like we're very hypercritical maybe people aren't going to hear what we say they're going to see what we do and a wolf pack is always very authentic about what they do they don't talk about it clearly because they're not using language like we do they're actually just walking that walk all the time so it's really important that we remember that we teach people how to treat us and what's acceptable and we have that inner governor within us that kind of self-wolf that wolf image of being actually I have a right to be here and I'm doing this at the best of my ability that allows you to put yourself forward as somebody to be respected because you're doing it in a very authentic way indeed and I mean I was thinking about this also having um, equines as well sure. as um, as well as dogs and um, my mare lives with two donkeys and I was watching I was having a conversation with the donkey's owner over the fence she was on one side of the fence inside the field I was on the other side of the uh -huh. fence outside the field and she had some biscuits in her pocket and the donkeys knew that yes. and they were crowding around her and they were you know we were having this conversation they were nudging her they were kind of like you know um, <laughs> and, um, and I, kept, I kept looking at her and thinking are you going to are you going to tell them off are you going to tell them no you know yes. back off the, give me my space and she just she just didn't so in the end i did um, <laughs> but, awesome. but i thought you know it's so like having a mum and little kids yeah you know when the little kids are going mum 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 yeah. you know and um and if you don't put that boundary in place sure. and go you know what this is this is mummy's time this is my space yeah. you know they yeah. they will just keep doing they that will. because they don't know that actually they're not supposed to and i think that's really important is that unless we say to people this behavior is unacceptable they will assume it's fine because you're not saying anything different no and as you say it's not just the saying don't do it mm. it's the actual yeah you know the, the physically gently pushing them to one side right. and saying you just go and sit over there for a minute honey yeah while i have this conversation when i finish this conversation i will attend to you your personal um, space needs respecting yeah absolutely yeah oh so much exciting great stuff, stuff to learn great stuff. <laughs> so much exciting stuff to learn so if any of our listeners and i'm sure there'll be lots of them would be keen to come and do one uh -huh. of these personal courses with you how do they find out about it right well we have a lovely beautiful website um called wolfpackleadership.co.uk 
So pop along to there and you'll be able to read up about the course and you'll be able to see the dates, which again are Thursday the 11th of May and Thursday the 7th of September in Retford. We're also happy to go and do courses in organisations and groups and for businesses. Um, we, we hold a maximum of 12 on each course and that means that everybody has enough space to speak and contribute and, and do as much as or little of the interaction as they want but they don't get lost. Yeah. If a course is too big, people who may be lacking a bit of confidence kind of get lost in the group. So um, we top them off at 12. Um, so our next course bookings, it's £110 for the first six places and then after that it's £125 for the day, including lunch, very nice healthy lunch and some very top quality biscuits because that's a very important thing on a course day. Oh, absolutely. Mm. You can't have a good course without absolutely, a good biscuit. Absolutely, yeah. Good biscuits, priority. Marvellous. So just to give you that website again, it's www.wolfpackleadership.co.uk marvellous and of course we um as usual we put all of this information up on our website on girlsaroundtownonline.com so um if you didn't have a pen handy and you're going oh no i wanted to write that down don't worry it is all <coughs> on our website and details both about about mel and links to her website too mel thank you so much for coming you're in welcome. this morning thank you for having me it's been a joy it has been great fun we're we're going to go away and start looking at ourselves aren't we girls and how we are <laughs> leading ourselves and each bring other bring out your alpha wolf mm. we'll bring out our alpha wolf I, I think june is very good at that already <laughs> uh, people have it now <laughs> absolutely we love love